Well, good morning, Oakwood family. So glad you're here for second service today. And I have the great privilege and honor of introducing uh, to you this morning, uh, Miss Stephanie Freed. She is the uh, co-founder um, and executive director of Rafa International. So would you give her a warm Oakwood welcome this morning? So I, I want you to get to know her. And, and what we're gonna do this morning is we're going to get to learn about several things. We're going to get to learn about Rafa uh, International, what that is all about. We're also going to learn about ICOM, the International Conference on Missions. And I know some of you have been saying, well, ICOM, we've heard of that. You've been talking about that a couple times. And we've done a lot of save the date uh, since about May, June this year. And so we're also going to be talking about that too. Um, but I just think you're going to be blessed uh, this morning by learning about uh, what her organization does, what ICOM is, and then how you can be involved, how you can take a next step uh, in, in this this morning. And so I just want to begin this morning by giving you the opportunity to explain, you know, we see Rafa International who don't really know what that means or what that entails. So would you just kind of talk, talk about that a little bit? Sure. Rafa is a Hebrew word that means healing. And we, uh, we love the covenant that the Lord made with his people when he said, I will be the God who will heal you. Turn around, follow after me, keep my covenants, I will be the God who will heal you. And Eric, we just feel like the children that we serve at Rafa International who are survivors of the most horrific forms of abuse and exploitation that mm -hmm. we can ever imagine, um, man, what a people group in need of, of the healing and hope. Uh, only found in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. And so, you know, I, I know that your organization started about 20 years ago, and congrats on that. Thank because, you. Yeah, if you didn't know, uh, Stephanie is like traveling all around the world, like literally, like she's been in Thailand and Cambodia, and then she was in Boise, Idaho, <laughs> up until like yesterday uh, at a Bible college up in Boise. Um, so she's been like worldwide traveler. In fact, I told her you ought to get one of those apps on your phone that like tracks you of like all the miles, you know, because she might set a Guinness record this year for 29 million miles. Maybe. Um, because she's in a dual role this year in that she's not only the head of Rafa, and they're celebrating 20 years of ministry, but she's also the president of ICOM. And so it's cool that she has this dual role, but it means her schedule is like, you know, traveling all over the place all the time. But um, so 20 years at Rafa, I want you to dive into a little bit deeper of like, what, what is Rafa? What do you actually do? What is trafficking? Yeah, so trafficking, and there is so much awareness now around this subject, Eric, you know, 20 years, 21 years when we started researching and talking about this, it was hard to even get people to believe that this was actually taking place, yeah. especially at the volume and the epidemic that was taking place. And so trafficking happens through force, fraud, and coercion of usually very vulnerable people. Um, at Rafa, we're serving children who are, who are um, underage survivors, all female through our, our aftercare um, arm, but through prevention, we also serve boys. And we love that, Eric, because so oftentimes, you know, young men who are very vulnerable are recruited into gang activity and mm. they grow up and they become traffickers, traffickers themselves, themselves, pimps wow. and traffickers themselves, as do young women. Mm -hmm. It's very common for young women to do that too. But we, we love seeing the testimony of young men 
who did not become yeah. traffickers because of Jehovah Rapha and um, them putting their faith in the God who will heal them as well. And so I'm all over the place. I told you I could talk all yeah. day about this subject. No, this is good. But, but at Rapha, you know, we're working uh, with survivors here in the U.S. through trauma counseling services, which is a gap in services for children here in the U.S., but in Cambodia, Thailand, and Haiti, we work with local law enforcement and anti-trafficking military mm. um, groups who do that hard work of rescuing children from trafficking and exploitation. And they bring the children to our gates, to Rafa, where we have permission to be their legal guardians while we fight in court for them and while they get back on a path to healing. Right. Of course, just as the video said, our heart's desire, and we believe it's God's heart for these children too, is to be within a family and within a, a safe family and a safe community. So we're working to that end to help these children have that opportunity to regain lost childhoods and right. have those opportunities to be part of a family again. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I just love the name that you explained it, Jehovah Rapha's, you know, God our healer and that Rapha International is like, healing that comes from the Lord. And I know that's like Amen. part of the most rewarding part of your work is that you have um, these children, um, especially, you know, the ones that are in those, those countries that are primarily Buddhist. Is that yeah. right? And, and that, that you're able to um, bring the gospel, bring the good news about Jesus into these circumstances and situations. But I know sometimes that's a struggle. Can you kind of yeah. explain why? Yeah, so you know where we're, where we're working, especially in Southeast Asia, in Cambodia and Thailand, the children are coming from a Buddhist worldview. And as I said in the first service, um, I'm not here to to diss Buddhism. I have a lot of we have a lot of Buddhist friends and a lot of Buddhist colleagues through, you know, the local law enforcement and government colleagues. But the truth about the children that we're serving in that Southeast Asian context is that they're coming from a worldview that centers on a thing called karma. And here in the United States, we throw around that hmm. karma, you know, it's karma, it's karma. But actually, if you're coming from a true Buddhist worldview, your faith kind of centers around that word. And karma says, what comes around, goes around. And so when you really boil that down, what that means is you get what you deserve. And so when the girls are rescued from trafficking and exploitation and they're brought to our gates, what they believe about themselves on day one is, I must be very bad for these things to have happened to me, wow. to deserve these bad things that happened to me. And so, wow, what an honor, what an opportunity yes. we have as Christians to love them the way that Jesus wants us to love them, to serve them holistically the way he served people, and to be able to tell them, not only is it not your fault, <laughs> the bad things that happen to you, but you have a savior, a heavenly father that loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And he calls you daughter. That's who you are. You know, when the worship band was singing that song this morning, I am a child of God, that just, friends, that just lights me up. Because if our girls that we serve at Rafa 
can understand that that's who they are, if they can put their identity in being a child of God, they're going to be free. Right. They're going to walk in freedom, as we all are. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. And I want them to hear kind of, I guess, your, your testimony a little bit about, you know, how does one get into this, you know, this kind of, kind of work? And, you know, I, I was brought back to um, when I was in youth ministry, and it was like around 2002, 2003. I remember going to Christ in Youth Conference, which, you know, many of you know CIY, Christ in Youth. We sent our high schoolers to that um, conference every summer. But I remember um, they had a video, um, and I remember the title of it was called Bot, B-A-H-T. Which is and the currency was, in Thailand. Oh, it is? Okay. I, I wondered it's the so, currency in Thailand. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I just remember seeing that video, but I remember it, that was the first time that I was exposed to this thought on human trafficking. And I was like, you know, what is this? Yeah. And then you're watching a video like that, and you're really impacted. But at the same time, it's like, is this, is this like three people, the three people mm -hmm. in the video, you know, that this happened to three people. And, but then, you know, I, I think you have a stat on that. Did you say there's like a million? A kids? million UNICEF since 2002 has been reporting, and this changes a little bit, but it's always over a million. So I say more than a million. More than, More than a million. It's even the statistic is actually bigger than that, but I just round it down to more than a million children every single year. Every, every year. single wow. year are disappearing into trafficking globally. Now let's let's think about that for just a minute. Because sometimes I think we can get really overwhelmed real quick with a statistic like that. Yeah. A million children every single year. I can't even wrap my mind around it. Last year, a million children. This year, another million children. Next year, another million children. And when we really start to think about that, it becomes overwhelming and could render us to the point of, uh, I can't, there's it's nothing to be done. Right. But Eric, if we remember Christ's example of the one lost sheep and the shepherd running, running to find that one lost sheep, we can do something about the children that come through our gates. Mm. We can do something about that one, and we can end it for that one, and we can end it for that one. And so we want to follow Christ's model of running for those lost sheep and ending it for one child at a time. That's, that's so awesome. That's so true. I, you know, I think for those of us in ministry, um, there, we, we can all look back at there was this time, maybe it was this moment, or maybe this was like the season of a call, of something that God stirred in us to make us, to make us want to go into ministry or, or to make us want to, want to you know, go, go after this mission that he has us on. Um, and I know you have such a cool story and testimony there, so why don't you tell us about how did you get into this thing? How did this all come about? Because I just think it's, it's interesting, but it's awesome too. So what I say about myself is that, you know, 21 years ago, I, I was a soccer mom from Joplin, Missouri. That's me. I had um, two little girls at the time, and I, man, I loved, I loved my life. I loved my life. Um, we were just living that, living that Midwestern dream, right? Running to soccer games, running to dance practice, 
barbecuing in the backyard. My father is a, a prison evangelist. He has a very old prison ministry called American Rehabilitation Ministries. Actually, they're turning 50 this wow. year. That's and awesome. yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're also headquartered in Joplin, Missouri. So I had grown up in ministry with a father that has a, a heart for um, Christian discipleship and leadership training. And so he had been working in the early 2000s in Cambodia and Thailand um, with local church pastors. These were primarily people who had come out of the, of the Cambodian refugee camps that were on the Thai border during the Khmer Rouge genocide and the civil war that followed the Khmer Rouge genocide. And so when it was safe for the people of Cambodia to go back into Cambodia, so many missionaries had infiltrated those refugee camps with the message of the gospel and points of light went all over the country of Cambodia. Awesome. because of what happened there in those refugee camps. And in fact, Eric, a lot of our initial leadership, and many of them are still serving today, were Christians who became Christians in the refugee camps. Isn't that My amazing? Goodness. That's awesome. But as they came back into Cambodia, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to go to Ozark Christian College, yeah, right? right. <laughs> they didn't have that opportunity. And so really there were a lot of missionaries at the time going in and gathering these groups of, of church leaders and trying to encourage them and, and disciple with them. My father was doing that work in the early 2000s. And if he were here today, he would, um, he would tell you that it was in one of these meetings during broad daylight with about 100 people present and I, I'll say this right now, I do not believe that this could happen today this way because there's been so much good work done and Cambodia has developed their legal, um, their legal processes so well. But at that time, during an engagement, during broad daylight, more than 100 witnesses present, two men came into one of those conferences that he was leading and they were there to pick up a young woman who they had just bought from her parents for $200. Wow. And my father, not speaking the Cambodian language, you know, he had to wait. There was obviously, he, control was, all control was lost, right? Mm -hmm. As people began in, trying to intercede from her, for her. And my father said he watched these very impoverished church leaders pulling the money out of their own pockets, trying to come up with $200 to give to these traffickers so that they would leave her that day. And I, I do want to say, you know, anytime you give a trafficker money, what are they going to do with it? They're going to go get another girl, right? We don't do that. That's not how, that's not how we roll at Rafa. <laughs> I, want, I want to make that real clear. But, you know, Rafa didn't exist mm -hmm. back then. There was no Rafa. And he watched these, these Cambodian church leaders do this. And uh, when, after that girl was safe in their care that day, and actually they took her to, uh, they took her to a, a local church building, and she lived there until they could get her to a safe place. And actually they had other girls already there mm. because Christians are always leading out in this because it's what God wants us to do. It's what Jesus wants us to do. But my father came home from that trip, and it was around a dining room table that he began to unpack this story. 
And you know, I said I had these two little girls running around the house. I'm, tr- I'm making excuses for myself right now because this part is ugly. <laughs> yeah. This is going to get ugly. Yeah, yeah. we all have that. <laughs> this is going to get ugly. He unpacks this story. I watched my father, who had been a very stoic man for most of my life, I watched him break down and begin to weep. I watched his shoulders heaving up and down. And um, at one point in the story, he looked across the table at me and he said, Stephanie, what are we going to do about this? Because these church leaders were telling him that this was not a one-off situation. That there were girls disappearing out of their villages and that they felt powerless to do anything about it. And they were asking him for help. And so he says those, he makes that challenge to me. And Eric, I shared in first service, this is the ugly side of my story. He said, what are we going to do about this? And I looked back across the table at him because his challenge angered me. I felt also helpless to do anything about that. And you know what? Like you said, Eric, at that time, we weren't talking about this issue. And I couldn't imagine that this was not more than just a one-off situation. And my father said, Stephanie, would you just, would you, okay, okay, would you just research it? And it was in the research phase, which lasted about six months. My husband's sitting over here, Brandon, hey, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon can attest that during this research period, I would put my little girls to bed and I would stay up well into the night because if you went digging for it, even back then, the information was already there. UNICEF was already reporting more than a million, well, back then it was 1.2 million children. Now, because of the increase of online sexual exploitation, it's much larger than that. And there was this night, Eric, that God was really moving on my heart, like this calling. And I was pushing back, pushing back. And I was standing in my little girl's bedroom, and they had two twin beds on each side with a big window in the middle. So the light was coming in, and I stood there praying over them. They had all their little stuffed animals all up around their heads. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. And I watched them in that, like mothers, mothers will know what I'm talking about. They were doing that rhythmic breathing where you just know they're completely out. They're at peace and they're just, they're just out. And God broke my heart. God broke my heart because in that moment, it was like your kids are no different than those kids who have no peace, who have no peace, who have no protection no safety, your kids are no different. And I would say that was my, that was my, that was my moment in my girl's room that night praying over them. I went on a research trip not too long after. I got to meet the Cambodian Christians who wanted to do something about this. Mm. And uh, I got to go on my first slave retrieval with them. Didn't mean for that to happen. God. God made that happen probably because I'm from the show me state mm-hmm. and I really needed to see to with see my it. own show eyes me. and show me. <laughs> show me God, show me. And, um, 
And uh, that's really, that's really the, the beginning of our story. Here we are 20 years later, what started with that core group of Cambodian Christians who barely had the money in their pocket collectively to make up $200, is now a team of more than 250 professionals, Christian professionals in Cambodia, Thailand, Haiti, and the United States working to combat on the behalf of child survivors. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, God is good. God is good. And yeah, using that <laughs> yeah. to make a difference today. God yeah. is good. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's weird too because like, like you said back then, it's not really known. And then today, yeah. it's, it's the awareness level has so been raised, which is, so, which is so good. And then even I was thinking about that movie. We had talked about the, the sound of, of the freedom. freedom yeah. um, and that movie kind of raising raising awareness about it too and um yeah and the the fact that you're doing something about that that we can not only just be like okay we're gonna keep this at arm's length and just pray about it you know so many of us i mean we need prayer we need god's obviously holy spirit intervention in all of these things but sometimes we're called to take a a step of action it reminded me of of, of jesus there's so many times in scripture where it says that jesus encountered this darkness maybe it was someone in a sin pattern that was just Mm. destroying their life or maybe it was you know, they were just, just caught up in, in, in something that they shouldn't have been, or maybe you know, it was demon possession, but all these things. There's so many times where Scripture says that Jesus had compassion mm. on them. And so many times I think we think as Christians, oh, if I just have compassion, if I just feel sorry for them or just, like, acknowledge that and pray for them. But when it was Jesus, it seemed like compassion always led to action. It was like compassion was the beginning of an action step that was actually going to change something, to, to do something. Um, and I, I just appreciate your ministry and that you're actually from 20 years ago until now. And congrats on, on that, too. Uh, just that you guys are actually doing something about it. It's not like, oh, this, this exists. We'll raise awareness. We'll say some prayers. It's like you actually have boots on the ground all around the world, you know, doing something about it. And, and man, Eric, can an I say that you do, too? Because right here in this church family are people who are on the wall for vulnerable children. This, mm. as you know... What you said is so true. We have good awareness around this issue now. You know that this is happening here in Oklahoma. You know about the I-40 corridor. Anybody that is in education, anybody that is in youth ministry, anybody that is interacting at all with the foster care system, Nancy with CASA, being a volunteer with CASA, if you are on the wall for vulnerable children, there is a, like, 200% chance that you are preventing or you're on the wall for a child that's already been exploited. And so this is what I want to say to God's people. Please have your eyes and ears open. These, These people are beside you in the pews. These children are here in this church with you. And I want to, I just want to encourage you to continue to stand on the wall for the kids right here in the United States. As we're combating around the world, we stand on the wall for our kids right here at home too. I think that there's no, I said in first service, I think that there's no uh, greater vulnerable population than that of especially girls aging out of foster care. That 17 and 18 year old girl who suddenly finds herself labeled an adult. You're an adult, you're on your own, here you go. And for a lot of these girls, they have not one person in the whole world 
standing on their wall when they leave our system. That's terrifying. <laughs> That's terrifying because our Justice Department, our U.S. Justice Department has a staggering statistic that says this. When an underage person finds themselves on the street for any reason, whether they're a runaway, whether they've been cast out, maybe they're coming out of the foster care system, if they find themselves on the street for any reason, it is going to take a pimp or a trafficker less than 48 hours to target and wow. recruit. That's crazy. Less than 48 hours. And I have full body chills as I say this, and I use this, this statistic often. When I think about that, it's just unbelievable. What if the church can get to these kids first? before the, the pimp or the trafficker? What if we can get there first? What if we're already on the wall and they never find themselves in that position? Yeah. Wow, amen. Amen. amen, amen. So I commend any of you here who are in any position working with our young people, you most likely are already combating and maybe you don't even know it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Man, I, I appreciate your leadership for you answering the call and doing that with Rafa. And uh, man, I, I just imagine that role is so so big. And it, 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 like I said, she was just overseas, like just within the last couple of weeks. Like you're over there for like a month, um, you know. And so she has all this. And then you're also the president of ICOM this year, <laughs> our international conference on missions. And I want to talk about that. But before we do that, we have a video that tells you a little more about ICOM. So if you would uh, just uh, watch this video here. I'm Stephanie Freed, CEO for Rafa International, and I'm so grateful to have been invited to serve as president for the 2023 International Conference on Missions. I'm standing here in this beautiful new convention center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, which is where the International Conference on Missions will be held November 16th to 19th. Our theme for ICON 2023 is Hope for the Nations. If Jesus said he was sent to proclaim the good news for the poor, freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the captives free, then we as Christ followers must be about this mission too. This will be a time of equipping, encouraging, and enlisting kingdom workers to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations so that all may find true hope in him. ICOM is a special place where a generation of kingdom workers inspires and blesses the next generation forward. Join us along with thousands of brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the United States and all across the world here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma for ICOM 2023. Mark your calendars now because you're not going to want to miss this. We can't wait to see you here. Yeah, man, so excited to have that uh, conference and have it so close, folks, like right in our backyard. Um, it has, it has, I was talking to uh, Brandon earlier and uh, Stephanie's husband, he, he had said it, like, it hasn't been this far west in a long time. I think 50, in like, in 50, 50 years. 50 years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, when they bring it to a place like Oklahoma, that means, hey, we have to get behind <laughs> this. We need to support this and, and be a part of this. And, and I just want to share a little, little uh, a story of how these conferences like ICOM have affected me and my family. So, um, Man, we, through the years, we would go to North American Christian conventions, and we, we caught a couple of inter, international conference on missions as well, I mean, my girls. And I remember my girls being first exposed to Rafa House back then, before it was Rafa International. 
uh, Rafa House Ministries because you guys had a booth. And, then, and, and at this conference, there's this booth space that has literally hundreds and hundreds of booths. Uh, it's, you know, it's got books, it's got curriculums, but it has a lot of missions, ministries, and organizations that you can learn about. And, and some really cool things. I mean, you can see how Christ is moving around the world. Well, for us, one of the things was Rafa House. And what I loved about Rafa House is they were about their mission. They were, they were trying to let people know, hey, this is what we're doing with human trafficking, and this is what we're doing with exploitation of children, but as a fundraiser and as a livelihood project, probably, I'm assuming, they would sell items at their booth, um, and they, they would have little bracelets and little bags, and so uh, my daughters found Rafa House and uh, loved it, and we would, we would buy uh, items from there, and then when we would go back to these conventions, like, they would want to go to Rafa House. We actually, like, would have to budget, you know, it's like, girls, okay, you each have this much money to spend at Rafa House, but um, my, my middle daughter actually had a backpack. Um, and, it, and, and it was one that one of your ladies had made in the ministry, and um, it was kind of like Vera Bradley. It was a thing back then, but it was better than Vera Bradley because it was awesome. Um, anyway, but I, I just remember that, and it's such a good memory, and it really exposed uh, my girls to um, what was going on in the world outside of their bubble, outside of their bubble, Enid, Oklahoma, north, northern, north central Oklahoma, but it exposed them to like, look, look at some of the issues out here in the world and look at what some of these organizations and missions organizations are doing that. So talk about that. What is ICOM all about? Why, why should we go? Why should we support it? Yeah. Well, I grew up going to this conference. It was a very important conference for me. Um, this is a place where you engage with what God is doing all over the world. And you walk into the, you know, Eric, you mm -hmm. walk into that exhibit hall and you feel the spirit of the Lord. Yeah. And yeah. it's so exciting to see what he's doing all over the world. And, and, and just, you meet brothers and sister, sisters from everywhere. I want you to know that you belong at the ICOM. If, if you have a heart for what the Lord is doing, if you, if you have a heart for um, spreading the good news about Jesus Christ, you belong at the ICOM. I want you to know that there's something for every age of person. So kids, um, students, young adults, everybody, there's something there for you that's specifically for your age. And I'm really excited because you all as Alan mentioned in, in um, before we started here this morning, you all are doing all of the volunteer, we'll call them opportunities, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> for Friday night. So Friday night, after Friday night's main session, Andrew Peterson will be in concert. So I'm really excited that you guys will already be there, and I hope you'll stay and enjoy uh, this concert by Andrew Peterson. But... I just, I just want to say that if you've never been to the ICOM, please put it on your calendar and come this year. It's never going to be closer, and I think you'll be inspired. You might hear a call on your life. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, be very afraid, right? <laughs> be very afraid. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. There are so many testimonies of, mm, of God's people who have had the call on their lives happen at this conference. It's a very special place where a generation of missionaries blesses on the next generation. And so come, bring the kids, uh, bring your kids, bring your grandkids, your nieces, nephews, students, come and join us at the ICOM. Yeah, it's, really, it's really cool because it's really an encouragement. You know, it's the International Conference on Missions. So missionaries from all over the world, literally, all kinds of mission organizations are there. And this conference, you know, I understand it is kind of the heart of this to encourage those missionaries. Because a lot of yeah. them, if you think about this, folks, you know, they're on the mission field 365. 
And they have this conference that will maybe equip them, maybe encourage them. And that's what it's all about. And how they're encouraged by us is that when we attend and we're in those main sessions with them and we're attending those workshops, we're not only learning about their ministry and being able to be a prayer partner for them, but we are also being encouraged to see God's work around the world. And they're encouraged to see, hey, here's some people in the United States that actually care enough to come. They're going to stand by me in the worship service. We're going to sing praises to our God together. And I'm telling you what, the main sessions, man, you, if you all remember like fall revivals, remember churches would always have fall revival every fall because, you know, like the church was dead and needed to be revived, you know, <laughs> um, man, you are going to be, you're going to be, you're going to find your fire for the Lord lit at this conference. Those main yep. sessions, uh, uh, CCV uh, is one of our churches, Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix, Arizona. Their worship team is going to be there leading there. Awesome. Um, in these main sessions, you have this worship team and then you have speakers, that are just anointed by God, that, that come and, and they just share um, the heart of God. And, and you, you will find yourself just encouraged. You will sign, find yourself sometimes challenged. But, man, the Lord is really doing an amazing, amazing work through this. And, again, it's so close. I mean, you don't have to drive to Kansas City. You don't have to drive to Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky. You don't have to drive to North Carolina. It's in Oklahoma City, folks. So that's why we're making a big deal about this. We really want you and your family to attend the conference, but also to be able to help on Friday night serving. It's, you know, passing the offering buckets. It's, it's uh, you know, doing the registration, helping with the kids' ministry, taking care of those missionaries' kids. Um, man, it, it's, it's a great opportunity. So I, I want to let you all know before we uh, close this morning that out here in the lobby, uh, we have a couple tables set up. One of the things we want everyone in here to grab is one of this. This, this is a sneak peek preview into ICOM. And in this guide, it, it talks about the, the speakers. It, it talks about uh, the missions organizations involved. It talks about the workshops. It gives you a schedule for the days you can kind of look at. Um, it talks about the student ICOM called SICOM for students, student uh, student convention that's going on, um, the children's ministry, and all these different missions things. Man, you you will love it. Uh, this is this is some great information for you to have. So pick one of these up out in the lobby at the tables. I know Stephanie will be there. Her husband Brandon will be there. They would love to talk to you, answer any questions that you have about this. And the other thing is that we are signed up as a church. Like we are already registered as a church. You don't have to pay anything to go to this is what that means. We, we've already paid for it. You just have to register your family and just attend. That's all you have to do. And so, man, we're trying to make it super easy. All you gotta do is drive to Oklahoma City, yeah. And, and the other thing is we're actually, for Friday night for that volunteer opportunity, we're actually chartering, I mean, we got buses, our whole fleet of vehicles is going down there, so transportation isn't an, oh, isn't an issue it. either. And we'll, we'll go down there it. other times if we need to for other sessions. So man, just, just take advantage of this and, Eric, and be a part of this. So. We're praying for the nations too, yes. leading up. Yes. And so if the sound booth, if you guys would put that slide up, maybe as, as the church family is exiting or whatever, text in this number and it's really easy every week you get seven countries yes, to pray every, for every monday and it's really yep. cool we've got more people this year praying alongside icom than we've ever had before be part of that come alongside let's pray together for all the nations leading up to icom yep. every every monday morning by 8 a.m i get a text that just says pray <laughs> for the nations and it just lists countries yeah yeah. To, to pray for that week. And so that's that's so cool. Well, hey, thank you. I know you're so busy. I really appreciate you taking time it's out to honor. be with us this morning. And thank, thank you for answering thank the you. call, uh, not only for Rafa, but also for ICOM this year.